We're about to light up season three of Drifter's Sympathy on Feral Audio. Episode one is called Dawn of Individuation, which rolls the clock back to right when you decide who you want to be and the kinds of early decisions that, for better or worse, completely mold the rest of the shape of your life. Episode two is going to be called Loner Legends, sort of an attempt to define who the underdog really is and their role in history and culture and art. Season three drops on October 23rd. This is Emil Amos. Check out Drifter Sympathy on feralaudio.com. Welcome to Twisting the Wind with Johnny Pemberton. Here it is. Uh, Some more sounds here for a little bit, and then we'll get right into it, okay? Thank you. Complainer, ain't her, 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 ain't her,
You complain about what Twitter's dialed. <laughs> you wanna lie, but no, for a while. I got a cowboy cut, three legged horse. I'm falling upstairs, downstairs, but of course, I'll sell you what you want, but you gotta have the cash on the barrel head. on the barrel head I don't have no ticket unless you got that credit Ooh, I'm gonna check your credit Ooh, I don't take debit I take CSH on the B-A-R-R-L-H-E-A-D-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-80-
ups. Ooh, got a little harsh S there. Yeah, that was a little intro song there. Um, Craigslist, where I've got that drum machine. Other things are just run through some effects pedals. Everyone always asks me what kind of effects I like to use. And the more you ask, the less I like to tell because it's sort of like... These aren't anything special. They're not. They really aren't. This are, is this is this is consumer shit right here. This has been marketed to people. Go into any goddamn guitar store and buy the cheapest thing that does this. Say, hey, I want to affect my voice with something that's cheap. They'll say, oh, this is all we have, and uh, that's what that's what I'm using. So don't worry about it too much. Uh, what I am also affected by right now, my voice, it's not cheap, is having a fucking chest cold for the past almost 10 days. Um, I'll probably stop down at some point here to hack, to hack in my lungs because there's like a rattle, a flagging rattle of, of mucosal phlegm inside the bronchial tubes inside my fucking body. Jesus Christ, that fucking sucks. I mean... It's been a while since this has happened to me. I always forget. Man, it feels good to be, I was going to say gangster, just because that sounds so nice. I don't even know who that song is by, but it sure is a great little slogan there. Even though it doesn't feel good to be a gangster, but it just is, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. But it says, I'm, what I'm saying is, man, it sure feels to be good to be good, feeling good. You know what I mean? Man, it sure feels good to feel good, to not feel like you want to die and just, and just fucking... Oh, I can't run running because I can't breathe. Oh, baby. So that's happened. Uh, but I'm still, I'm, I'm bouncing back, you know, I'm being healthy. Uh, docs went to the doctor today, actually. Went to my doctor. I love my doctor. He's a great guy. He's just real... I don't know. Um, I feel like so many doctors, people judge bedside manner to, out to be the most important thing. And I think uh, for certain doctors, that is important that you get along with them. But other times, it doesn't matter what their bedside manner is like. It matters they get the job done. But also, you could make the case that the doctors, don't, a lot of times, they don't get the job done. They just trick you into thinking that they're getting the job done while your body heals itself. That's an old saying. The doctor busies the mind while the body heals itself, which is usually the case because we're, uh, we're pretty good at healing ourselves and stuff for the most part. For the most part. For the most part, the things people, things people freak out about. But I went to the doctor today. See, this is me taking... I had to take a deep breath just now. I had to go... Oh, God. Should I take a hit of my Boost Oxygen? This is something I bought on Amazon. I'll put it on the uh, website for you guys to buy. It is a, uh, a can of oxygen. It's 95% pure oxygen. It's called Boost. It comes in a can. has a, a trigger and a mouthpiece. And uh, you put up your face. I'm hurting my right now. I feel like something out of a science fiction movie. Do I know this is pure oxygen here, 95%? No, I don't know at all. Um, I guess I could try to light it on fire, but I have a feeling that 95%, I don't know. I don't know enough about this. I would love to get an email from someone who's a scientist who listens to this podcast to tell me like, yeah, man, um, the reason they won't do this is because of this, and the reason we'll do that is because of that. I'd love to know that. Either way, this is made by Boost Oxygen. And oh, you know what? Oh, well, wouldn't you know it? There's a goddamn telephone number on here. I think it's time to give them a call. Don't fuck me. Hi, you've reached Boost Oxygen. We're away from our desk right now, but please leave your name and number, and we will get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you, and have a good day.
Record your message at the tone. Message. You may hang up or press pound for additional options. Hi, my name is Johnny Pemberton. I'm a uh, Boost Oxygen user. I uh, ordered a six-pack through Amazon uh, a little while ago, and I've enjoyed the. Uh, I've enjoyed it. I just had some questions about it. Just some like more. I just wanted to learn more about the product. Just some details and stuff. I mean, I guess I could. I have gone to the website, but it's always nice to talk to somebody about it. And I just, you know, I'm just trying to get more oxygen in my life. And uh, wondering if you have any other oxygen products that I might be able to take advantage of in terms of uh, oxygenating my body and mind and system and soul. Um, my phone number is three two three. So you can just give me a call. Uh, at any time. Otherwise, I'll just try it back. I think you're probably closed right now because you're located in the East Coast, and I'm on the West Coast. So that's how it is, isn't it? Boost! I'm so sick. Oh, my God. I'm in the bathroom. Tony, will you tell the dogs out? I'm so sick. I'm in the bathroom on the tile. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't have had that shrimp. And I had too much of that lettuce off the floor. Oh, Tony, will you take my appointment book and check and see what's happening on Thursday? Oh, oh Tony, please. I sh- oh my god, I shouldn't have had that shrimp cocktail. I knew that tomato sauce smelled funny. Oh, I'm in the bathroom on the cold tile because I feel so bad after throwing up. Oh, Tony. Tony, will you make sure that we have plenty of taper towels in the bathroom outside for people if they come over? I'm sick. Oh, I'm just going to go lay down this towel. I'm going to take a... Oh, I'm going to take a nice warm bath. that will feel good. Oh my god, I shouldn't have had that custard. Oh, I just had such a weird smell. That cherry was gray. It looked red because of my sunglasses that had been sitting out for hours on Janet's deck. I shouldn't have had... Tony! Oh my god, I shouldn't have gone to Bill's with you. I should have known they'd give us food that would make everyone fine but me. It always happens. The food that makes everyone think they got sick, not get sick, and I get sick as a dog. <sighs> Tony. Hey y'all, hey y'all, hey y'all, hey. I said, hey y'all, hey y'all, hey, hey y'all, hey y'all, hey, hey. Oh, hey to the hey y'all, hey, Okay, now we're getting into it now. It's all safe and secure. It's locked down. It's a Tony Award-winning magical moment. These magic moments. You're listening to Twisting the Wind. That was uh, just a second ago, an impression of me being a, a sick woman from New York in the late 70s in her bathroom. She's a mom. She's t- I don't know what that was, but that's what it was, okay? I don't know what it was, but that's what it was. Uh, that stuff's done done now. It's all finished. 
Thank you for listening to Twisting the Wind with Johnny Pemberton. I'm Johnny Pemberton. Uh, please rate and review the podcast if you haven't already. Do that on iTunes or whatever the format, interactive, note-taking, public uh, evaluation station you like to use with, to use. Do that. Uh, also, if you can, tell your friends about it and spread the word if you like it, because it's a good thing to do. Also, you should definitely donate to the podcast, okay? You do that by going to the feralaudio.com website and you go to Twisting the Wind page and you click on, I think you just click on donate or something, and that's a secure PayPal donation station. It's super easy, fun, breezy, crazy, lock and load, like my name is, it doesn't matter. I don't want to even rhyme with that one. Uh, if you can't donate, because that's, that's the case with a lot of people, understand this is a product you're getting for free, even though no one deserves it for free. I have chosen to not take the necessary steps to find another way to give it to you because that's just how it is. So take advantage of my busyness and g- continue to get this product for free all because I'm too busy to, to find out a way to monetize it in a way that would make a difference. So do that. And uh, if you can't donate, go to the uh, shop on Amazon through our Amazon portal. That's on the Feral Audio site as well. Anything and everything you buy, when you go through that portal, portal's another name for a door, access point, anything you buy on Amazon, which you know know you're doing it, it goes a little, little piece, a little nibble, a little nibble goes to our mouse cage and it gets built up and we're building a big old ball of bread with those nibbles it's going to be a big old like a like a cold cut head cheese conglomeration of donations and stuff sorry not donations just 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 little slices little slivers of what you uh what amazon's like here you go i'm peeling i'll peel one off for you boys here how you doing that's what they do it's exactly how they talk to us so so definitely do that uh and otherwise you know come see me live when you can uh uh, I'm not doing a lot of traveling the rest of the summer. I'm working on all kinds of stuff, all kinds of some, some big old television crap. So you can see that. Not crap at all. It's actually it's quite the opposite. I'm very happy and excited to be working on this stuff. So you can watch in the uh, when it comes out this winter, a show on NBC called Superstore. I'll be doing some really fun stuff in that. Oh, I'm excited about it. It's fun. It's a fun one. God damn, it really is, though. And other stuff. And you got to check out Pickle and Peanut, the cartoon I do a voice for with John Heater. That comes to Disney XD sometime in September. It is a psychedelic, fun show. It really is. It's so nice to have uh, some things to talk about and promote that I really do stand behind. Because that hasn't always been the case. I won't say with what and which things, but sometimes you're just like, this thing I did, I don't really... I can take I take pride in it because I took pride in the work that I've done, but sometimes, sometimes as a whole, you don't really stand behind the thing that you were a part of just because, because all because all reasons, you know. But these things I just talked about, I really am happy about them, and I think they're fucking great, and I want you to enjoy them because they're enjoyable. What a dumb way to say enjoyable. Tisk me, tisk me on the face. So all that being said, uh, I'll throw this out there now. This is looking pretty much locked in and good. In November, the first uh, first couple of uh, single digits up into the double digits dates of November, I will be in Australia and New Zealand with Mr. Duncan Trussell. It's going to be outstanding. I mean, I can't even I can't even fathom the uh, just the just the outstanding blunderbuss of uh, 
universal outreach <laughs> stuff that's going to happen. It's just going to be a real blaster. We're, we're mostly doing stand-up, I believe. Uh, but we're probably going to be locking in a couple live podcasts out there down under. So, so get ready. Get ready to indulge. Otherwise, just, you know, check the Twitter, check the face. No, just check the Twitter, basically. And uh, if something comes up, if I'm traveling to your zone, you'll know because you want to be up to date and also talk about it in this podcast and stuff. I've said it like a thousand times at this point, but I'm going to phase, I'm going to take Twisting the Winds, going to ch be changing at some point here soon. I think uh, what it's going to end up being is being some, the, the format we are in right now with this sort of uh, complicated editing and a lot of like stuff, like all kinds of stuff. That would be like a monthly thing or sort of like when I feel like doing it. And probably, probably very rarely will there be a guest unless it's someone interesting I want to talk to just because it's just the, just the way, the nature of how things are and, and will be. And it's going to transmute into something that's a bit more lively and live that will be available as a product to acquire after the live portion has been recorded. Uh, so, so think about that. So just think about that when you put your pipe in the future's hat and smoke it and like, Oh, I just smoked my own hat. Oops. Uh, coming up here now, I'm an interview I did several months ago at this point. Uh, I've just been holding on to it for a variety of reasons, just for variety. I like to uh, break things up here, you know, as I present them, the, the product, this is an interview with a comedian and actress, uh, Jojo Sutherland. She was one of the people who I was on tour with. And that Middle Eastern, that that I want to say ill-fated, just because ill-fated sounds so nice, but actually it wasn't ill-fated at all. It was wonderful. Ha <laughs> ha, me, uh, Jojo Sutherland. This is a, it's a little more dramatic of an interview, but um, so what? <laughs> I don't care. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Okay, yeah, you're gonna enjoy this. Jojo is hilarious, and she's just a, a brilliant storyteller, and she's Scottish too. So, uh, bum bonus of a uh, accent there which is always great and yeah this week this was conducted i believe in bahrain and the the regency intercontinental hotel there and uh yeah it's, it's a little bit of a throwback but i think it's just as prescient as the day it was recorded and i want you to enjoy it and enjoy george or sutherland and if you are a person who lives across the pond please indulge in seeing her live and all that kind of stuff it's so easy to say this right now because it's true Okay. Okay. So I said all that stuff. I did the, did I get the business? Check one, check two, check three, check four. All that business is done. Um, is there anything else you want me to say before I transmission into this interview? Okay. I so say it's not really an interview. It's more of a conversation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's more of a conversation than an interview. Got, uh, what else should I say? Oh, I mean, you think that's necessary? Yeah, I don't think it's necessary. Okay, I'm just gonna. I'll leave that. I'll leave that lie as it is. Uh, I'll try. You want me to tell them that I'm. I'm getting over this cold. Really? Oh my God! Hello, begun. So we've begun. Let's go. Jojo Sutherland. Hey. This is your name. That's who you're speaking right now. We're sitting here together. This is kind of weird, you know, because we've been hanging out for the past week here so we've pretty much done like Everything. already six podcasts already we've already recorded yeah. we've already talked about all kinds of things that we both agree on so it's exactly like, without it's like now, having been recorded yeah. we but we've yeah well, we put we the world to rights we did we could have we have already have had some great podcasts recorded definitely already so 
but now we're here doing it officially. <laughs> so, so I'll just be repeating myself. It's good. We are currently, I am currently in Bahrain uh, with Jojo Sutherland. Hello. As doing, we're doing this sort of, uh, this weird um, comedy sort of tour. And dear listeners, this is what is happening right now. That's why I, where I am. Always people see me posting stuff like, they're like, why the fuck are you in the Middle East? What are you doing? Like, why? And I'm asking myself that often as well. So <laughs> it's not as exciting or as dangerous as we thought it was going to exactly. be, is it? It's I just thought weird. it was going to be a little bit more dangerous. I thought it was going to be more dangerous. I thought it would be more... There's this weird thing when you go places that are used to tourists where they do this mm. thing where they're... Um, they want to accommodate you, so it's this thing where you almost like the tourist experience is one where it's anath- it's antithetical to what you want as a tourist. Mm. So it's like that weird but you, thing. You've tried to get yourself arrested and failed. I, yeah, I, don't, I didn't try <laughs> that hard though. Saying I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'll just test the shake. Test the shake and test the strength <laughs> of the American embassy. I kind of feel like I thought they would do good, do well for me, but I feel like maybe they wouldn't come through in the clutch. I don't think they would. I think you'd be on your own. Yeah, because I think the thing is, is that. Would it be? Would it be like it'd be American comedian creates international incident, mm. and I'd see all my tweets and be like, "This is." I could just. We I, don't want him back. Yeah, or they were just. They'd be like, oh, "This." You know, you have all these commentators on Fox News be like, "Well, this guy clearly, you know, he shot his mouth off, and you know where he was. Why would he say that? You know, this is." <laughs> Did no one tell him? But at the same time, all those conservative assholes would probably get. They'd want to be like, "This is." This is the. This is why we like living in the West. Is because you can say things like that and not and be good, thrown in jail. Yeah, but it's the hypocrisy of the West. Do you know I was it reading is. a statistic today? Because right. you know about the whole sort of Saudi women and oppression and right. all that kind of stuff. That um the but abuse of women in Britain. Right. There's two women a week. Oh, that's terrible. Die every week from violent partners. Die. Die are oh, killed God. every week. Two women a week every week are killed in the UK from violent partners. Only 12 are beheaded in Saudi. Wow. Do you know what I mean? So they've got it way better over in yeah. Saudi for women. <laughs> Only 12. <laughs> 12 a way week? Way more dangerous. To, no, 12 a year. Oh, 12 a Only year. Only 12 beheaded. a year beheaded. It's not too bad, it's I guess. It's killed in the UK. Yeah, it's that whole thing of, yeah, the, if it's a public, if it's a public uh, admonishment, it has more weight than yeah, when you Yeah, but dead is dead. That is dead. <laughs> Doesn't matter Two which a week, that's it. terrible Isn't from violence. Yeah, I think it's, it's America, it's either... Not much better or not much worse. Mm. It's probably that's pretty. It's pretty bad because the whole domestic violence thing is something that just doesn't get talked about. It's yeah. very like very much uh, pushed under and just pushed aside. And it's so hard because so many of the people, so many of the victims of that are. It's like they're so, they're such they're so um, disturbed by what happened yeah. to them. It's hard to. But that's why I like, because that's the thing, it's one of those right. taboo subjects, isn't it? And comedy it always likes to tra- tackle taboos. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I liked, I haven't, I haven't done, done it in Saudi yet, but, or in uh, the Middle East yet. But no, I like to tackle the subject of yeah. domestic violence on well, stage. Because that's part of your life as well, right? Yeah. Having so, been a victim. Right. But oh. you were, man, we're going to just start with the, uh, the beginning, because you were, mm. you're, you're Scottish. I am Scottish. And, but you were born into an interesting environment in Scotland, I right? Was, yeah. I was. I was born, uh, my parents uh, were very, very posh, and right. I grew up in a castle. A castle, a legit stone a, castle? A proper castle so, with a drive and a loch and wow. hills so, and mountains and so rhododendrons. How many, how many and, acres? 
Uh, oh, what do you say? Hectares? No acres. We you say acres? Use acres. Okay. Um, Hundreds. But as far as far as the eye could see, oh just, my God. just nothing for miles. What was the name of it? They have a cool name. It's called Rahalian. 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 Oh man, so, I would. So you go. So it's a stone castle. A stone it's castle made of stone. with turrets. Holy shit. I'll show you a picture of it. I would love to see that. I'll show you on Google. You can see a picture of it. As a kid, I was obsessed with that kind of stuff. It's like, like, wow, it's the coolest thing ever. But classic sort of aristocracy in Scotland was that, you know, we lived in a castle but didn't have any money. Really? So, you know, there was like a 16-bedroom castle and we all kind of lived in one room in the end because it was the only one that we could afford to heat. So how does that that happen, though? I'm curious about that because you own the land, right? Yes, but it's all tied up. It's all inherited, so you can't sell it. So you're not. You can't. I mean, well, you can, but it's frowned upon. So okay. it's kind of meant to be handed down, handed down. But eventually, what did happen was my dad's younger brother did end up selling fields and farms right. and cottages, and I think he lost quite a lot of it um, in a game of something. He so like we gambled with the yeah, money yeah, he made yeah, from yeah. the real estate. So we eventually got evicted when I was about ten. We got evicted from the castle. No, the castle by got who? Repossessed. By like the... got repossessed. Oh my god, that's Imagine such Imagine repossessing a castle. That was the debt collectors. I think they came a couple of times. I think right. they came up the drive the first time and went, "No, we're in the wrong place. This can't be for repossession." Yeah, yeah, it was. That's so oh. interesting. So how that was in the family for a long time, right? A long time, yeah. So when was it built? The castle. Oh God, I don't know. Like the seventeen hundreds. Okay. Or so kind so. of a newer castle. Is that new? Is it? I think some of the old ones like fourteen hundreds. Yeah, no, I think. Well, the I Tower of London's like. Actually, what? Yeah, there's a good point. I don't know when it was yeah. built. I'm just saying that. I don't really know. I'm, it, but that sounds about probably middle. I guess I don't know. That's still pretty, pretty, pretty goddamn yeah. old. Yeah, and it was a weird combination of architecture. It kind of had really. Lived, yeah, it was sort of different styles. Wow. It was very odd. So, who do you think lives there now? Do you have any idea? I know who lives there now. Really? The man that owns Eric Moore Caravan Park. So, so the guy who owns a yeah. trailer park? Yeah, he's the guy now owns living a trailer in a castle. Park lives in a castle. <laughs> That's how fucked up this oh world has become. God. <laughs> oh my god. The irony of that is deep and Isn't special. It brilliant. God. <laughs> the man who owns a caravan park. I love that word caravan. So it almost has like a cool ring to it as opposed to like, you know, like trail trailers and like a trailer park in America, it's like a different sort of thing. Well, you've but got that expression of trailer trash. Yeah, trailer you? trash. That's really right. derogatory, isn't it? I guess so. It's it could you could be worse, but yeah, hmm. it's it's pretty derogatory. Yeah, but but in Europe, it's more of a they call them gypsies, right? Yeah, but they call themselves gypsies, don't they? They call oh well, there's other words that people use like pikeys and things. Pikey, but again, right. you're not like that. You're not. Def- no, is that God. Britain's become so PC, you can't you can't see anything. But is that really is that a bad word or is it just a word that uh, it's derogatory? Pikeys, derogatory term. What do the pikeys and gypsies call themselves? Gypsies. The gypsies. Yeah. So gypsies. Traveling okay. people. Travelers. Travelers. That's it. Travelers. Traveling Travelers. Yeah. That's how we used to. I, I lived uh, in downtown Los Angeles. We, mm. There was a lot of bums there. A lot of homeless people. We would call them travelers. See, bums again has such a different. Different. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, it means that's why I always say homeless when I'm doing those jokes in the UK because bum is a is an asshole. It's an asshole. Yeah, it's an ass. <laughs> You're bum. Yeah. Sweet shit out of. It's not that different though, because a lot of a lot of bums are. Dirty like an asshole because they live in the streets. But are but, they, or are they well, just misunderstood? Well, I think it's a, it all depends. The mm. ones, some of them are very just. Uh, well, most of them are m- mentally ill. Yeah. To, to be serious, they're most mentally ill. But mm. um, those are the ones who are like the some the ones who are dirty, not not in a bad way. Just but if like, you're homeless, it kind of comes with the territory. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, be exactly. Fixing. It's hard to be clean if you're homeless. Yeah. So, and especially in Los Angeles. Mm. 
Well, I guess so. Maybe, maybe, maybe some, maybe not. Well, so, so the castle, right? So when you were ten years old, you got evicted from the yeah. castle. And literally, there is the irony. I haven't even thought of that irony right. before because literally, I, no one had told me. Nobody had right. informed me that we were leaving the castle, and we literally went with no explanation mm-hmm. whatsoever from the castle to a caravan for two weeks. Oh my God! For two weeks, serious? which the irony now has just hit me that the, that's incredible. That a caravan man. That I think there may be some deal done with the devil. I don't know. So we stayed in a caravan for two weeks, mm-hmm. which my mum thought was brilliant. She was like, "Oh, everything's so handy." And uh, <laughs> so after we're walking miles and corridors and things. Yeah. And then after that, we moved into a log cabin for six months. A log cabin where? A log cabin, just about five miles from the castle. I thought they, they didn't have log cabins yeah, outside of America. No, I thought no, it was no, a distinctively American. Thing. It was a very popular thing that started oh. happening in the 70s in Scotland. Log you get these log cabins, they were really kind of like, wow. So he's in the log cabin yeah. for six months. And then my dad, who was a writer, mm-hmm. uh, had a real big success with one of his books. And so we moved into a great big mansion house in just outside oh, Edinburgh. Nice. That's like a cool little uh, a roller coaster. trajectory of yeah. sorts. Yeah. But what was interesting, if you, I love the psychology of people, mm-hmm. because he was a writer anyway. Mm-hmm. But when we left the castle, we were in the caravan and the log cabin, then uh, a lot of people didn't get in touch in that time. So it's really interesting. Then when his fortune reappeared, <sighs> wow, then they were beating a path to your door. Yeah. You find out who your friends are. So it's like, it's weird now being in sort of the business that is show. Right. It's kind of like, I feel I've seen it all before and I've met some of those decades before. And yeah, I find it sense. really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I had, when I got into the business, I really had no, I had, mm. my family has nothing to do with it whatsoever. No one in my family has ever been a writer or a comedian or anything has anything mm. to do with entertainment so for me it's all just very feels super weird it's even even to this day it's something where i feel like it's not like a like it's inappropriate or it's even it's like you're putting on airs just by doing it yeah it's like a thing where that's why i think i've, I've always you know um uh, why jewish people have such a they're so successful in uh, the entertainment industry because it's something where it's like it's a legitimate job yeah it's absolutely. like it's legitimized like you you can be an entertainer and it's not like a you know, a crazy fucking yeah because lunatic. i think so many parents don't they if their kids turn around and go i want to be an actor or a like, comedian they're like no don't be ridiculous go no. get a proper job and yeah go and doctor, work in insurance lawyer do something stable <laughs> yeah nine to five and boring yeah. Right. But yeah, so I never had that. I mean, my parents were always a little bit crazy and That's always cool. a little bit out there. Yeah. And, and yeah, genuine. I mean, they were completely useless as parents, but they were good people. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. And so they did always kind of go, you can, they never said I couldn't do anything. They always, you can That's do what cool. you like, do what you like. You know, so yeah, I've always had that kind of can but, do. But you didn't start doing comedy. Um, you started doing comedy a little later though, right? Yeah, I was 36. I trained okay. as an actor. Right. When, when I left school, I went, I went and so became an actor. For, you studied in university? Um, I went to drama college oh, in did. Glasgow. Oh, yeah. Man. So and and then did that for about four or five years, and right. then got married and had kids and got the shit beaten out of me and divorced him and so had my house you, repossessed. You go through that pretty fast. Yeah, just <laughs> just kind of did it, threw it all on the Barbie in a while. Right. So yeah, because my parents died when I was quite young. I was really how old um, were you? I was twenty three when my mum died. Pretty young, yeah. Twenty eight when my dad died. So yeah, so that was relatively young. So were they were they sick or something? What um, yeah, my mum had cancer. Okay. She and yeah. she was sixty one, and she's <laughs> always swore by Ooh. ginseng, but I wouldn't touch it if I were you. Jeez, she really didn't. Are you serious? Yeah. God, that's such so. a. Ooh, there's so many things like that that are. But yeah, both died of cancer. 
Wow. Which is why yeah. I smoke twenty packs a day. <laughs> well, you're on like you're in a smoking phase right now. I'm in a smoking Dear phase. listeners, JoJo's in a smoking phase. She she didn't smoke a cigarette for what? How long? Oh, you, about three six months. months. Yeah, three six months, months. <laughs> and now you're smoking at breakfast. I know. It's like what the I'm fuck? I'm smoking in my sleep. It's amazing. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I just don't, it seems like it's like such a contradiction. But I, but so when you go home, you'll just stop. Smoking. Yeah, I'll stop. Well, there's a nine no hour. No problem. There's a nine hour flight to get me back, so I won't have a cigarette. So you'll just be flight. sitting there shaking, going nuts. Yeah, punching Andrew. <laughs> yeah, oh, he'll be sweating. <laughs> Andrew Ryan's the other comedian on this tour, and he'll be either either have just joined us, probably joining us after. We'll keep the chronology uh, aspect ratio set. Yeah, so um, so you in Scotland, mm. and you went to drama college and everything. Drama college, yeah. and then after that, so you, so you got married. So you kind of like settled into sort of like a, a normal life, so to speak. Yeah. Sort of. So it was that you know, and I always kind of thought I would do both, but then right. life took over, and I got married, and and then had a kid when I was twenty three. Okay. And then realized I was in a pretty shitty relationship. Right. And then didn't know how to get out of it. And so I had another kid. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, just a bit of a spiral. Well, really. how long were you in that situation where it was you felt really you felt pretty helpless in that? Yeah, sense? oh and, completely. Yeah. yeah. Ten years. Ten years of that. Yeah. And so you had like two kids in that in that three kids. Three kids in yeah. that span I did of time. Keep trying to leave them and then kept going back. Really? Hence the three kids. Yeah. So how's that worked? I mean, you you were just I mean, because it's an old story and mm. it's still plays all the time is this thing where you're being in an abusive relationship yep. and but it's really hard to leave it because it's this there's there's so many structures in place that, that make it there's difficult so to, many levels and that's it and i think that's yeah. why people i mean i was always i was absolutely one of those women that you know before it happened to me i was definitely you know if a man ever hit me i'd be straight out that door blah blah, blah. these women that stay all fucking idiots blah, yeah. blah, until it happens because it's you know, I fell in love with someone. Right. Do you know what I mean that? I think that's the biggest, yeah, most crucial part is I fell in love with him. I didn't, you know, he wasn't showing signs of that kind of behaviour. Yeah. And it was only we were quite young, and you know, we both were working in bars at that time. Okay. And you know, we'd stay up all night and have lock-ins and. Drink. What's a lock-in? A lock-in is when you stay in the bar and you just lock the doors and okay. stay inside and drink till six in the morning. Okay. So because so, after the bar is te it's technically closed. It's technically closed. But legally like, closed. But, but if you're inside. But if you're, you're inside, inside and not paying for the drink, then that's legal. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> so that used to happen a lot, yeah. and that. But we were all young. We were all doing it, and so I didn't realise at that point that he actually potentially had a problem with alcohol okay and only when i got pregnant and then i wasn't drinking and right. so i was staying at home and he was still drinking and still staying out all night yeah. and and then you know we had one argument once and he got really and smacked my head against the wall but immediately went oh my god i'm so sorry right and that way i kind of thought and i thought well i'd thrown a glass of wine at him too and it was okay. just like you know i thought well well, I threw, you know, that's never happened before, right, but, right. you know, I did provoke it and then nothing happened for ages. And then another time we were sitting cuddling on the sofa and watching TV and he went, do you want a cup of tea? And I was like, oh yeah, I love a cup of tea. And he went to the kitchen, he came back and just whacked me across the back of the head. And I was like, what the fuck? And he went, how many times have I told you not to leave the spoon in the cat food tin? And again, I was like, Whoa. oh, you had, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. so... And they're isolated instant, and then they become, and then because you don't do anything about it, and you kind of go, oh, it was just a one-off, and then it just yeah. gets worse than that. And you know you should tell someone, but you think, if I tell someone, they'll say I have to leave, and right. I can't just leave, I've got a baby, and, you know, and you're embarrassed, and so it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse, and you go into a spiral until... 
eventually you want to kill yourself. So do you think it's something that, like, what, what do you think is uh, that creates that scenario? Like, like your husband, your ex husband, who was that abusive, mm. is it something in his life that was that was made? Because people who are that way. They're angry about something. They are angry about something. I think deeply angry and they're just dissatisfied. And it's he was a classic fear of fear fear of success guy. Okay. So he would always start a project and never finish it. Really. And always talk about big ideas, but never actually never completed anything. Got it. And would have a job and then you know have an argument and leave the job. So he was always I was always picking up the pieces. I was always the one going out to work. Right. You know, which again, which is why you know acting went by the wayside because I just had to earn money. So, yeah. You know, I you know. Drove you a taxi and I, you know, worked in a pub and I worked in a restaurant and. Um, but he was what? Is, what was his job? Well, he he stopped working. He but, was working in a bar and he was oh, a gardener, and he got. But he he take on a contract with it with somebody to do some right. gardening and then you go out and get absolutely hammered drunk disappear for three days wow. and then not turn up to do the job and they'd have paid him up front and oh it was horrendous but you say like all these projects that he started and didn't finish mm. like what kind of stuff was that was it we um when we first got married we bought a flat right and he knocked down an interior wall and he was going to do do the whole thing and we lived wow. in that house with rubble he never even cleared the rubble out it just for stayed like that f until it got repossessed until so they like came 10 years um, about seven years we lived Wow, there. yeah, so he's living with this sort of, yeah, that's like living with that sort of, it's, it's a complicated set of mm. things that constantly reminds you how yeah. you fucked up. <laughs> so he fucked up. So it drove him to this madness. And always this devastating logic of, um, you know, he's saying, oh, well, you know, we'll get this, um, I can't even remember the name of the kitchen, but a really expensive kitchen, right. which we could never, we were never going to be able to afford. Right. But it was, his logic was either we have that kitchen or we don't bother at all. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like no point in scrimping and getting a shitty kitchen. Yeah. We'll wait until we can afford a big expensive kitchen. Well, we're never going to afford a big expensive kitchen. So what? We're just going to live with this sink and this old gas cooker and rubble. That's, oh, man. that was his thinking. Yeah. I can. I mean, it's like you said that stuff, and it's like, I think I feel like a lot of people can sympathize or empathize with that because, like, mm. you, there's like a part of your psyche where maybe you feel yourself being that way, and like I, when, the stuff you're saying, I'm like, I've, I've, seen, I know there's times in my life when I've thought similar things where I'm like, I'm, you know, I know, I, I think it's all about it's, it's the difference between being mindful and being. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times I'll be angry about something, like I know, but I know why. I'm, I'm angry because I'm, I'm angry at myself because I haven't done this thing I want yeah. to do, and so I'm being maybe I'm being uh, I'm being an asshole to the people around me. Yeah, no, you project it, don't yeah, you? you project it. Even though when actually you really pare it down and you know distill it and kind of go, oh, I fucked up. Yeah, I fucked up. It's all it's on me. me. But it's yeah. so much harder to blame yourself because yeah. it's easier to blame someone else. Right. So that's um, where that comes from. That's why he was such an asshole yeah, and such yeah, no, a no, terror, absolutely. right? Yeah. Because that's the thing as well. People go, oh, you know, why didn't you leave? But, you know, I, I did love him. Do you know what right. I mean? And that was it. I didn't, I didn't fall in love with an alcoholic wife beer. I fell in love with this charming, handsome young man mm -hmm. who turned out to be an alcoholic wife beater. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and then once you've had kids with someone as well, there's that's another level. And because by then both my parents had died, then, you know, there's that that's level. That's your family. Of, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's, that, that was all I had. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, there's a connection there. It's hard to break mm. that. Yeah. I mean, I've never really talked to someone about this in, in depth at all, but 
it's it's such a like an endemic thing everywhere yeah. like there's no culture that's immune to the what you're talking about it's no everywhere. absolutely and it's i mean it's classless yeah. and and the thing is classless well, yeah that's it, the completely thing. Totally. classless and because then you are doing that sort of regime of not telling people exactly what's going on yeah. and so you become actually quite reliant on the person that's abusing you because they do that classic thing of isolating you from yeah. other people oh, you God. know so then yes that's, that's all you've got and you kind of the mountain just seems so huge to mm. climb that i mean i do remember this is this is fucked up thinking for you in retrospect <laughs> but it made perfect sense to me at the time was whenever he'd hit me do you know what I mean he and he broke my ribs he you know oh, he shit. split my head open and he broke my nose and I do jokes about it on stage about yeah. you know how he should invoice me because he's done a great <laughs> job if I'd gone private would have cost a fortune um but I always knew that whenever he did something when he broke my nose for instance right. he said uh how much harder it was for him than for me because I didn't have to look at it. He had to be reminded every day of what he'd yeah. done. You know, and I was kind of going, yeah, that is, yeah, of course. I mean, it's 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 a terribly fucked up thing, it's but it's true. It's up, but I used I'm, to want ugh, him, I used hard. to actually kind of will him to hit me because then I knew I'd have at least a couple of weeks of him being so sorry God. that I would get breakfast in bed, he would run me a bath, he would he would trip over himself wow. to be apologetic. That I kind of, you know, I'd be like in that period before being hit, be like it'd be really tense and walking on eggshells and it didn't matter what I did, it was always wrong. Yeah. You know, I remember tidying the house absolutely because he was always complaining about it, I was messy and so I tidied the house from top to bottom, it was sparkling even round the rubble, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We lived in a shithole. And I tied, and then he came, I was like, oh, look at me, I've done all, I've tidied all this. And he opened the drawer in the hall and went, oh, fucking hell, yeah, but that's shit still there, isn't it? Jeez. And so, and I'd kind of just go, oh, just hit me, just hit me, just hit me, and then it'll be fine for a couple of weeks. But that's fucked up logic. It is, you know? yeah, it's terrible. Well, you were, you were about to say how it came to a, um, something came to a head at some point in terms of like, because, because you know, it can't it obviously didn't go in on terms forever. Of, yeah, no, in terms of of leaving, and right. we'd we'd had our house repossessed at that point. We've moved, we've moved, we've moved. And this is with the kids. Yeah. This is with the kids, the kids kept having to move, and getting flat rentals, and they're afford getting chucked out. Pretty young at this point. The kids are like very young, and I genuinely, genuinely, and it was my. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell you this without crying because it right. still gets me. I always thought I'd protected the kids from it. I always right. thought that whenever it happened, it was usually late at night. He was usually drunk. Yeah. The kids were normally bed he never hit me to my memory he was aggressive in front of the kids but he never actually physically assaulted me in front of the kids right so i was fairly convinced um that they didn't know yeah. and i remember one night he'd come back it was really late and he was really drunk and he had a pack of cigarettes and he threw a pack of cigarettes in my head and then ruri who's my eldest boy had got up to go to the toilet and he went to the loo and his dad was like, oh, we'll go to the toilet together, boys together. Mm -hmm. And he was so drunk, he fell against Ruri and right. Ruri kind of nearly knocked his head off the sink. Just And I'm just standing there kind of frozen, trying to, you know, didn't, you know, that situation of kind of going, if I go in, he'll get aggressive with me and just yeah. trying to manage the situation. So anyway, I managed it all. And then I got Ruri back into bed and he went, he wanted to go into my bed. So he went to my bed. And Andy got, you know, was more drunk, just shouting abuse. But it wasn't being aggressive, really, but kind of passed out in the sofa. Okay. So anyway, I went to bed and my son was lying there, still wide awake. And I mm. went, whoa, what are you doing awake? What are you doing awake? 
And he went, oh, uh, you and Daddy arguing. I said, oh, shh, 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 don't worry about it. Don't worry. It'll all be fine in the morning. And he went, you always say that and nothing ever changes. Ooh. And that's when I thought, and I did. I, I literally kicked him out the next day. I've wow. never been more determined in my life about anything. Because you realized at that moment because that realized, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like kids are fucking smart as shit. You oh, always absolutely. forget about that. Yeah. yeah they, they know, know everything. They hear everything and everything's going on. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I would repeat everything. I didn't know what I was saying, but I would repeat anything I heard, and I would repeat it to a T. It's like, yeah. so, so that I was the impetus. Like that was really easy. I kicked him out the next day. I mean, no, I, I, I did get him, but I had to get an injunction against him, and right. he tried to break in. He tried to kill himself. He took rat poison outside my kitchen Jesus window. Jesus Christ. And uh, had to be, yeah, and I, I wasn't going to... took rat poison outside? He, he literally, I had the, all the doors locked. I had a washing machine against the back door, and he stood wow. at the back window. At my kitchen ingesting rat poison yeah. and then collapse and i just thought oh god and i phoned a friend before i did anything else i said you need to phone the police and i went no yeah. so i thought oh just typical you know that he would die and i get done for accessory <laughs> to murder jesus and all the times i'd phoned police before because i'd you know been in trouble or yeah. you know they never arrived they were there within seconds i was like Arr! why is that so Just i have because, no idea oh, you know, they managed to find our house instantly on that one occasion and so they say it was he was he saved was, his life unfortunately yeah my god so so stopped. where is he now though i have no idea someone that's knows. great not yeah. to know yeah. yeah so that's what we were talking about earlier at breakfast about how like there's always people who are do terrible terrible things mm. but mm. it's it's like almost all the time it comes from this place of deep deep unhappiness that yeah. it's like it's so it's such a it's so terrible it's like a thing where unhappiness and fear isn't it unhappiness and fear but that's, that's like it's like the problem of the world is that yeah. Yeah. everything comes from unhappiness and fear so people act out and are blaming other people for, yeah yeah rather than just looking after their own shit and sorting right. out right yeah there's so many people who would sooner uh who so many murderers and people who've committed acts of violence who would be ready to kill themselves in a second yeah. and maybe he even tried and failed and there's but there's the irony isn't yeah, it I mean you peel irony. back one layer you go into prisons and I do prison mm -hmm. gigs and stuff and you, you peel back one layer and you know they tend to have been abused or oh you know, god so really you yeah. know the, their backstory you kind of go oh god and they take drugs and kind of go well geez if I had your life I'd take drugs and punch people you know yeah, it's, 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 it's very sad of, it's like yeah. this, it's the saddest thing but do you have any idea that anything idea about your ex-husband like did he, was he a product of something like that that, that made it carry Not through? I'm aware because we know the strange right. scenario in that I ended up then going on and marrying his brother, who's right. very different, by the way, listeners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's so fucked yeah. up, and I am so aware it's of fucked up. Fucked I don't think it's that, that fucked up, actually. You know, there's there's old traditions where it would say that... Um, yes, in India and all that kind of right. stuff, if the husband dies and you get married off to the brother. Yeah, you, you have to. <laughs> yeah. Like in that show Deadwood. You never seen that show Deadwood? No. What's this HBO show about like the old West and there's a widow and um he had there's this guy i can't I'm, I'm mixing up all the characters but you know people watch it but basically one of the main characters has to quote unquote get married to his uh, brother's his brother dies mm. but his brother had a family so he, he's being the brother he has to take that family under his wow they have to be part of he basically has to get married to his brother's wife because his brother died so even though they're not in love or anything, well in theory my ex-husband yeah. died in my head so he did, <laughs> it's yeah. the same kind of thing I suppose you know I mean? that's true yeah so you're so in a way it's like he's like sort of taking over for him but mm. it's not quite the same thing not quite <laughs> the same thing yeah there's a little bit of free will going on there I suppose, yeah. So. yeah but, but yeah that is definitely like a I mean that's so much you just said a lot of stuff really you know it's like a thing where 
It's funny you say that because, um, like, I sometimes will talk about that with comedy. I'd be like, you know, I had, like, my, my colon removed and if all this stuff happened. So I really don't care about what happens on stage here because yeah. it can't be anything worse than happens in the toilet. You know what Absolutely. I mean? And, like, with you, it's, like, ten times that. Where yeah. You've been through, I think you survived hell. I think that's the largest extent of it yeah. is that, you know, going on stage, I mean, really, nothing phases me because I've been through so much shit. Yeah. You know, and I had a brain hemorrhage in 2000. Oh, yeah. Oh, we skipped over that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so maybe brought on by the fact that my ex-husband used to punch my head in but yeah. I don't think it was uh, it was a genetic fault I was born with I can't blame him for everything even though I'm trying to yeah. Um, so yeah so and you know just an extraordinary you know growing up in a castle that all going to shit being in a violent relationship having yeah. a brain hemorrhage so it is that thing you kind of yeah you know now I look at my life and go god it's a breeze and I get to stand on stage and make right. people laugh you know talking about shit so you started doing comedy you um you left your your, your ex husband. Left my ex husband, and that was like um, a whole. How long? How how long was it really difficult? Like about a year or so? Like was it just really? We got married in 1991. We were so um, we were together sort of 1990. So and then I, I separated from him in 2000. Okay. When I had the brain hemorrhage, but not for long. But this was was this when when did you say you kicked him out of the house after your, your son? I kicked him out of the house in 1999. Okay, so 1999, okay. early 2000, and then so he hadn't I hadn't managed to get rid of him that long when I had the brain hemorrhage. I had the brain hemorrhage right. in July of 2000. So that was like a few months after that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So well, what happened? How did that How did that come about? Like, what was the uh, after I'd got rid of him, right. sort of semi got rid of him. He was still kind of coming around the house and yeah. all that kind of trying to get, you know. But still draw a drama. Junction. Yeah, it's all yeah, yeah. all drama. Um, but I decided because I was got this sort of newfound confidence um, that I wanted to go back and do some acting. Mm -hmm. And so I, by chance, met this girl at a, a party that my brother was having. I had all the kids, and we were amazed we hadn't met each other. We knew everybody in common, and Edinburgh's so small. And yeah. she'd just split up from her boyfriend, and I'd just come out of this relationship. And we were just like two old heads talking mightily. And she was a director, so she was putting on a production. And she said, you'd be great. And I said, you haven't even seen me. She said, I just know you'll be great. Just know you'll be great. Oh. And she cast me without even audition, nothing. She said, I just know you'll be great. And so she cast me, and it was a, a, an amateur thing. It wasn't, yeah. you know, paid. It was a sort of uh, community drama thing. And I did I did that show, and I was just loving it. It was just right. the best thing. It was like, first time I went back on stage, like, coming home. I was oh, just it's like the best this. thing ever. Just felt like I was home. Yeah. And so we did this production that ran for a fortnight, and it was maybe four or five days in. And I was in the wings and waiting for my queue line. Thought someone had hit me on the back of the head, oh, just shit. genuinely to the point where I tried to actually turn around to see who'd hit me. And straight away, sort of, I was self diagnosing meningitis because voices seemed really far away wow. and I felt really sick and I had this pounding headache. And there's the fear that comes in in life because I could hear my cue line coming up oh and God, I managed Georgia. to get myself on stage and I sat on stage because I thought, I don't want to look like a tit. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so I sat on stage and mumbled my lines, but I couldn't lift my head up. So my head was Holy kind of down. Shit. And you could, I could feel sort of people round about kind of, you could feel the sort of tension so on the though. stage and everything. Because like that's... That's so dangerous to be. It's the one of the most dangerous places you can be is on stage mm. and having like a severe problem because yeah, it's just it's that people think anything that happens is part of the show. It's part of the show. Oh. 
And so I managed to mumble my lines. I didn't yeah. act them. I just mumbled them. And then Holy I kind of stumbled off stage and got into the dressing room and started being violently sick. Uh-huh. And then some, and then because Gowan had known, you know, the director knew all the shit I'd been through and she was going through a lot of shit and I'd been quite Oof. supportive of her. Mm-hmm. She genuinely thought I was having some kind of panic attack, stress right. or something. And she was being kind of like, right, because I had a costume change. She was like, right, come on, pull yourself together. You know, you need a costume change. Can oh, you go shit. back on? And I genuinely thinking, can I go back on? No, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I just someone was holding my hair. I was being sick into this sink. And I remember thinking, I want to fall asleep. And I remember Ooh. thinking, if I fall asleep, I'm never waking up again. So I started biting my hand to try and keep me awake. And somebody, um, and then I heard them stop the show. They were like, this show can't go on. I was right. like, oh, I'm creating, even in my head, I'm going, oh, I'm creating cool. real drama. And then, and this is absolutely true, you can ask my friend. My sister-in-law was in the audience and a couple of friends of mine that lived nearby me at home. And someone came and said, we're going to take you to hospital. Your sister-in-law, Mel, is in there. She's going to take you to hospital. Mm-hmm. And I went, no, I want Nara. She believes in God. So she's, Who's Nara? Nara's my friend. He's okay. a Christian. <laughs> I thought, if I'm about to clock out, I want to be with somebody that's got a bit of influence. Because <laughs> even though I don't believe, I thought, maybe maybe it's time to convert. Right. I genuinely, specifically asked that Nara take me to the hospital. Because and that's <laughs> weird state of, you're, you're, all, yeah. you're dying there. You're dying. You um, say that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, they took me to the hospital and they did a CAT scan and they found that my, um, it was a genetic fault. It's very okay. common in women between the age of 30 and 36. I don't know why it's age specific. Weird. Um, and they did an angiogram and they could see where it had all bled. Wow. And, but it already healed over by the time they did that. So they had to monitor the blood and put me on warfarin, uh, yeah. blood thinning and things, and then just monitor me. So Wow. So it heals up. Uh, yeah. And I'm just God, the it's luckiest so scary. girl alive. Yeah. Jeez, that stuff's scary though. So yeah, some arsehole in the audience going, you're shit, doesn't bother me. Yeah. (laughs) Not that that happens very often. Yeah, God, it's so dramatic. (laughs) But then, so you heal that from that and after that... um... So yeah, so genuinely after after the brain hemorrhage, I really thought, do you know what, fuck it. Um, You really re reanalyze your life and reprioritize. And, you know, it was that thing of going... I am here only once. I love my kids, but I am not I'm not gonna be a single parent with three kids on benefit and you know, I'm gonna make things happen. I'm gonna yeah. make it better. Um yeah, and I was just determined. And and I didn't mean to be a stand up. I seen an advert. Really? Yeah, I saw an advert for a stand up comedy course. I'd never been in a comedy club. I didn't even really watch comedy I didn't have a clue. Right. And I and I saw the advert thinking well, I'm not going to be a stand-up, but that'll look quite good in my acting CV. <laughs> well, that's um, like a very—it's. I told you that before, but it's a really common thing in Los Angeles. Mm. Like, these people who are like, like, you see their Facebook profile or whatever, and you're just like, you're you're a comedian, like I don't, because they're not really a comedian. They're someone who just sort of is doing it for just to do it for something like that. To do it for yeah. something to say. Yeah. And, and I was genuinely, I was going to be one of those people. I just thought, oh, that'll, that'll look good for casting directors right. and they think I can do stand-up. Ooh. Yeah. You know, I didn't even know what stand-up was really in the true sense. Um, and so did a course that lasted 10 weeks. We went every week. And right. I don't think anyone can teach you to be funny. No. You know, they can't. But they can help. Can, they can they help. They can guide you. They can give you, you know, yes, there's sort of tools, isn't there? There's sort yeah. Of, you Editing. Know, um, yeah, you know, and sort of pull back and reveal, or even just identifying what it is that actually 
creates a right. Joke that's or, a big thing. Like, oh, what you said there, like this, this is why that's funny. Yeah, you, you don't know, know why it's three, funny. Pull but... back and reveal left turns. So, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Right. So, and I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I, I do all that. I was just kind of putting two bits together and going, yeah, I do that, mm -hmm. and then doing a gig for five minutes and just going. <gasps> Oh my God, this is the best fun ever. Because I'm a control freak, I was just completely right. in charge. I was in charge of everything I said, everything I did, yeah. everything. It was just, it all belonged to me. And I took 100% responsibility, whether it was good or bad. And I still feel like that. It's absolutely, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if I'm on a bill with other people and somebody said the best gig ever and I die in my arse, or I've had the best gig ever and they die in their arse. I just take complete responsibility for me. Yeah, that's what's so great about me. That's why I started pretty much with improv and sketch stuff mm. but then I got into stand-up and the thing is with stand-up it's so great because like you said you're just in control you don't have to so wait control. for anybody else no. you don't have to so it goes both ways when you when it's terrible when you die or yeah. we, yeah, say, yeah, we yeah, say yeah. bomb it's, it's all it's Dying mostly on you yeah. but then at the same time when things are great it's like you feel uh, like yeah. the sense of accomplishment Absolutely. It's, it's like being a painter or something and you know? it's when you know when people kind of you can't, sometimes you, oh, you, oh you can't say that you kind of go, yes, I can. You can do whatever you want. I can do whatever I want. It's kind of a weird thing. It kind of fucks up your brain a bit because you start leading this life where you realize, because you can do whatever you want on stage. You can do it because like for thousands of years, the stage has been a place of sanctity in terms of yeah. freedom. Like that's Absolutely. when you see, I don't know the specifics of it, but I had a I had a therapist once who was really a genius guy who like knew all about the origins of Greek drama and tragedy and all these things and talking you talk to me about how the um there's there's something in uh greek writing about the the origins of drama that talks about how the the pillars on the side of the stage that frame the stage is basically it's it's like an altar of sorts yeah, it's this thing yeah, where you've yeah, created yeah, something absolutely. where anything can happen sanctity it's it's there's safety but there's also infinite possibility yeah. so it's this place where you can present anything mm -hmm. there's a safety to present anything at all and when you have that it's this thing where you just you can do whatever you want so when you sort when you get used to being able to like sort of spin lightning from your fingers yeah. on stage sometimes it bleeds into your regular life and you can be like, well that's it I mean I used yeah. to struggle sometimes you know you know right comedy by night and then picking the kids up in the playground by day and then saying things that are wholly inappropriate in the right. playground going oh, no I can't I can't get away with that yeah. <laughs> at four o'clock in the afternoon right. with the other moms you know like, yeah because ah. you get so bored though it's like, a, like yeah a, absolutely because my little nuts. brain says naughty things all the time and oh, I yeah. have to kind of edit it in in real life to not say it right or but that's what i love about this because the thing is well about stage because you know all the psychology that's involved in that sometimes you, we were discussing here we're right. not letting ourselves go maybe as much as we could or do when we're right. back home you know i love it when there's i love it when i'm at, on stage when i'm not even thinking what's coming next it's just oh, coming yeah. out when it's just you don't it's the even best. Have to, you're in the moment you're just in the moment and it's just being created it's and the i greatest just thing love it yeah. and then i get frustrated when other nights when i kind of go oh right i'll do this bit next and you know yeah. and i can feel my filing cabinet opening drawers right. and going oh yeah oh yeah pick that bit out and and when it's going bad my filing cabinet always picks the material that i know i go don't do do not do the don't stuff do about that. the midget don't do <laughs> okay do the stuff about the midget yeah. you just know you always pick it's weird isn't it yeah it's like you're just hurting yourself because mm. you're punishing yourself for not being in the moment yeah, yeah. no it is it's so frustrating it is yeah. but 
But yeah, tonight, maybe tonight we'll fly in the British club. Yeah, we're performing at a British club tonight. Before that, we performed in well, we performed in Dubai. We mm. didn't perform in Dubai. We no, were we didn't. in Dubai. We, we had to look at Dubai. Yeah, Dubai. We decided had a, we didn't like Dubai. Yeah, people didn't want to come to our shows because there was too many opportunities to buy Breitling watches and mer- yeah. look at Mercedes, new Mercedes and crap like that. We and all the cars st- are white. Have we discovered why all the cars are white? No, I don't know. I think it's a status. It's status. It is status. We're obsessed yeah. with status. Because white's clean. It's like mm. white. A white it's like car. the thobes. The thobes, yeah. <laughs> thobes for thobes. cars. God, I love that word. It sounds like a robe <laughs> if someone with a lisp. Put my thobe on. Put my... The thobe... Uh, listener, listener, a thobe is the, what the traditional garb of the Middle Eastern Arab man wears. It's mm. the white sort of dress suit. Head to toe. Dress suit. I kind of want to get one, but I feel like there's no place that sells them... I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm looking at these shops and I'm like, I don't know. Is this, is this a shitty one? But I also don't care if I get a shitty one. Well, it's like in Scotland. You just know in the Royal Mile, you, you go and you buy a kilt. It's just, yeah. it's, it's it's made just out a of flammable. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, like a flammable kilt. <laughs> pass a breeze of air, it sets up a light. <laughs> right. Yeah, the authentic stuff is super expensive, but I should probably get one just so I can wear it around the house. Because mm. it's going to be hot as shit in LA this summer, so I want to be like, well, if Will it's it? going to be super hot... What I'll, temperatures does it get to up there? It gets like, it'll be like... 90 for a week in the Whoa. daytime and sometimes it'll get a little hotter like 100 and 105 sometimes like for it'll be like 100 it'll be in the hundreds for a couple of days in a row max but Jeez. those are miserable because usually sometimes it gets to you be you can't do anything in that kind of heat can you, you can't and the killer about it is it becomes like like sometimes it gets as low as four percent humidity wow. so the air is crackling dry like it is mm-hmm. crackling fucking dry to the point where you feel like your head unless you're constantly drinking water and Gatorade and stuff. You, oh, you, you just a thumping headache. I get a headache. It kills me. Some people don't mind, but for me, it's just the worst. It, I can't stand it's it. It's the complete opposite. It's got just, oh, yeah. just damp all That's the time. That's why I think about Scotland all the time. Like, uh, I just want to be damp. I just want to be damp so bad. Like that's, uh, I just dream, have dreams about that. Like wearing my wool, my Pendleton wool, uh, Scottish yes. tartan outside. Drinking some uh, some strong ale mm-hmm. and maybe like smoking a cig- cigarette or something as it's sort of misting yeah. in the evening or like the hours where it's sort of oh that's all I want any, I would take that every day if I could. Well, I've made you I'm promise you've got to come to Edinburgh. Yeah, I will. Uh, it'll happen. You come to Edinburgh, I'll come to LA. Great, come. We'll do it. We'll swap it up. That'd be fun. Uh, is there that some stuff fun. where where I mean people listen to this podcast a lot of different places, but I think mostly U.S. But do you have like a website and stuff? I do. A do website? Yeah. I do have, have a website. website. She's I got a, a Twitter. Website. Website, what? I've got a website, jojosutherland.co.uk. .co.uk. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. It's the first time I've promoted that on this on the show, co.uk. Yeah, I do have a website. And what about, is there like upcoming stuff people can check out as far as like things to watch? Ah, uh, see, I don't release anything um, of my comedy No, but online. I mean, tell me about the thing you, this, the show you told me about. The, the, it'll be coming out eventually, right? Oh, Moth Productions. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Right. Moth, you can check out my Moth. That does sound so wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> M-U-F-F. So it's the word that just keeps giving, sort of knee-deep in Moth, face-to-face with Moth. It's a nice four-letter word. You don't <laughs> have very many nice of them. It's a four-letter word. Yeah. It is a, an amazing uh, sitcom. I say that because I'm in it. Right. Um, which stars Daniel Sloss, mm-hmm. who I think is making a bit have a name for himself in America mm-hmm. and a fabulous Canadian comic called Tom Stade and and myself and uh, another couple of actors Joe right. McTiernan Charlie Parker and Wayne Mazadza Charlie Parker Charlie Parker like that's the musician. his real name yeah 
Cool. And we make up uh, the board of directors of Muff Productions. So it's an internet sitcom that basically taking the utter piss out of the TV industry. So that's great because it's like it, it reminded me the what little I saw of it reminded me of the like we were talking about Chris Morris and Brass Eye and stuff, and you were telling me how there's just how. Which I didn't know that the British television industry industry now so has gone confined. back to the fucking Stone Age yeah, when they used absolutely. to be the most progressive people on the whole planet. You can't now say they're, nothing. Yeah, because uh, JoJo was telling me how the you guys love the Daily Show over there. Yeah, and for me that's like, it's not it's great, but it's also it's not that especially biting in terms of its. Well, it's we political see, from commentary. Our point of view, we see that really exactly, biting, which blows we don't my even mind. Get close to saying anything like that because they just won't allow it on television and it's only too, ter- too scared and that's a f- that's kind of recent huh that's yeah sort of- yeah 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 there's been a couple of incidents right um where people have kind of Last- allegedly st- uh, stepped over the mark right i love that ricky gervais quote where someone said to him that uh, did he think he'd cross the line in terms of offense right. and he went i didn't draw the line and it's so true that people draw, you know, people's lines right. are in so many different oh places. Oh, my God. You know, so it's like, did you cross the line? I've never crossed Do you know, I haven't crossed You draw the line. If you want to cross it, you know, you put yeah, your you line Yeah, you decide in what I've done. You decide, you decide where your line is mm-hmm. and whether you're going to cross it or not. I never so. thought, that's such a great, I never thought about that before. That's a great quote. Mm. Yeah. Because that's the thing in America that happens all the time is that there's all this is a big breakdown of what is offensive to who and it's everything no, is offensive to everybody. It just depends. Well, somebody will always be offended by something at some yeah. point. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. and it just yeah. But it's like comedy, in in as much as you know, I think offense is subjective in the same way that comedy is subjective. You know, some people find some things funny and not other right. things, but that doesn't mean that the person that finds it funny is wrong. Yeah, you know, it's just you know, well, it's so different. The so. problem is people instead of um, when they find something that they don't like, they find it offensive and it bothers them. Instead of just disengaging. Mm. And like, okay, I don't like this. I will move to a different thing. Absolutely, remove like, yourself, and that's it. You know, I mean, you can change people channels. Are like, no, no, I don't want to. I'm gonna keep watching this. I'm gonna be a p- I'm pissed off. Yeah, or being offended on someone else's behalf. I mean, Jerry Springer, the opera. Yeah, you know, I mean? you know <laughs> everybody. People were offended hair. in their droves, having never seen it. Yeah, they were offended because someone said they'd seen it and this attack. Yeah, and do you know what I mean? I haven't seen it myself, but I'm offended. It's all because you know? we just have so much time in our hands because we, we life is so easy. If we just ha- if we I had know. more hunting and gathering in our lives, Absolutely. we'd probably be offended a lot if less. To get from one end yeah. of the day to the other involved a series of exercises and staying alive. Yeah, we'd all be a, le- a lot less offended. Yeah, maybe feel like like blow darts and spears landing once in a while from going to yeah. bed still breathing yeah <laughs> am i offended i i'm just happy to be inside right now i'm Is breathing it? i'm alive <sighs> touch me i'm just happy not to be outside in the wet freezing cold <laughs> so say whatever you want i'm gonna eat this mutton here head. by the fire and then pass out literally pass out because yeah. i'm exhausted from being chased by lions so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> round and round and so I got pack of lions but back to muff cool. though so the muff yes yeah, so the muff thing. yeah well I saw it but it's very much taking taking take, the absolute piss and I'll show you yeah. another clip which is uh, the PC brigade which absolutely deals with offence so one episode is all about what people deem to be offensive right. and so the episode is muff productions uh I have a visit from the PC Brigade. There's an actual thing called the PC Brigade. In that real? Go right, not in real oh, okay. life. Oh, I thought you meant, the, okay. For the sitcom, there's that, an actual yeah. thing, you know, like the Ombudsman, but they're called the PC yeah, Brigade. Yeah, the Ombudsman, yeah. And they go into our TV studio to check that we're not being offensive. And 
And the whole episode is around us kind of fudging it and making it look like we're completely, you know, on the ball and right. not making anything offensive. And then by the end of the episode, we turn it on them that the fact that they're just two white guys that are in the PC brigade, <laughs> which in itself is offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a scene that I'll show you, which is just show that you can't die of offense. You cannot, you cannot, die, you know, no. you cannot die of offense. That would be a cool precedent to set, though. Yeah. But we kind of make out that you do. Right. <laughs> so offended <laughs> that, you that die. they die. That's funny. <laughs> well, people will be able to check that out online, right? So that'll be able, yeah. So you can check out some, like, the information of thing is on Facebook and we've got a Twitter account. So it's just which a matter is Muff of. Muff Productions. Cool. Um, don't Google it. That's a whole world of hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'll get you somewhere well, you put completely the dots in between different. There, right? Oh, yeah, and you yeah. might be offended. Um, but yeah, so hopefully it's being edited at the moment. So hopefully nice. it should be online about June, July. I think we're going to aim for it to kind of be released just before the Edinburgh Festival. Oh, so. nice. Which is in June, July? Which is in August. So August, we'll okay. Before that. Awesome. So yeah. it's exciting. It is. I'm excited. excited. Yeah, yeah. That's always cool when stuff like that comes out because especially if, if it's of your own creation, it's absolutely. Like a, and the thing it's is, just you great. can but try. And if it's shit, oh, yeah. shit. But you know, at least who cares? At least we made the effort. You know. Yeah. So we didn't sit back and go, "Fucking hell, we can't get to do anything." Well, just get off your ass and do it then. Once it's, it's the done, thing. it's done. It's in yeah. the ether now. Absolutely. So it's exciting. Jojo Sutherland. Hey. Thank you for visiting Twisting the Wind. Thank you, Johnny Pemberton, for having me. Should we make a sound together to finish this off? Kind of sound. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA.
now on feralaudio.com.